0: From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. So will uh, 2022 be the year you get audited by the IRS? Maybe, especially given that Congress is looking like it might give the agency a lot more people and money to pursue enforcement. Today, we're going to talk with two tax professionals about what the upcoming year is going to look like in the tax enforcement world. In a little bit, we'll get to what that increased IRS budget will mean, assuming, of course, that it actually clears Congress. But first, we're going to focus on which enforcement areas the agency will prioritize the highest. Michelle Levin is a shareholder at the firm Denton's who specializes in defending clients at all stages of a federal tax dispute. She spoke with Bloomberg tax reporter Aisha Bagchi about the three areas she predicts will get a lot of attention from the IRS. IRS, micro deductions, conservation easements, and of course cryptocurrency.
1: I think the cryptocurrency area is gonna be one of the hottest areas because there hasn't been much development. The IRS has really just started its enforcement. Um, efforts in connection with cryptocurrency. And so there's a lot of unanswered questions. There's not really much case law on crypto. And so I'll really be excited to see how that case law develops. You know, what is considered a taxable event for uh, using cryptocurrency? How do you prove up your basis in crypto? When does the sale take place? So there's a lot of unanswered questions right now uh, with respect to cryptocurrency. And so I'm looking forward to those developments coming out of the courts in 2022. And can you say anything about why cryptocurrency has become an enforcement priority area for the IRS and why there are legal issues that still need to be resolved around the tax treatment of cryptocurrency? Sure. And this is um, part and parcel to another IRS enforcement priority, which is high income non-filers. And so the IRS is really trying to go after folks that have a lot of income or taxable events and either aren't filing their returns or aren't reporting it basically the irs is trying to identify taxpayers who have income or have some sort of tax reporting requirement and they're not complying with it and the reason for that is that it helped you know first it helps the irs identify folks that aren't paying taxes that should be ta- paying taxes but also some of these. Um, reporting requirements that the taxpayer fails to comply with them, there are significant penalties. So those are easy cases for the IRS to have a significant windfall. It's a lot easier to prove than like a complicated transfer pricing case, which requires a lot of experts and expert witnesses. I think cryptocurrency is a a high priority because um, it hasn't been well regulated. The documentation is a lot more difficult for the IRS to track down. And so they've take, undertaken efforts to start summonsing the major crypto exchanges um, because that is enabling them to get more documentation so that they can find non taxpayers that aren't reporting it. Uh, the IRS historically you know, finds non-reporting taxpayers through looking at bank statements and bank accounts. And so this is, I think, new for them to be going after cryptocurrency and going to new third-party uh, resources to get that information. I also think another reason crypto is a high enforcement priority for the IRS is because I think a, there's a lot of unknowns, I think from the taxpayer side and from the IRS side, I think there's a lot of confusion about what the requirements are. And so that's always, you know, leads to increased litigation where there's not clear guidance and there's not a clear understanding um, by the taxpayers or the IRS about how things are, should, be, should be reported and what needs to be done and when. And so I think that's why it's another area of enforcement priority. Uh, and is there anything in the space of easements that you're looking for? Well, I think right now that, you know, there's a lot of easement cases that are currently pending in the tax court, and so we're expecting to see some of those cases go to trial, um, and we'll get some more, uh, as the easement cases go to trial, I think that we'll see a lot more case law coming out uh, as to the value of the easements. Uh, Historically, the easement cases have, there's been a lot of litigation over the technical compliance issues associated with conservation easement. What's happened over the past decade or so is the IRS has challenged a lot of the donations about whether or not they comply with some of the technical requirements that are found in the Internal Revenue Code and in the Treasury regulations. And so that's been the bulk of the litigation to date has been over whether or not certain terms in the easement deeds comply with the technical requirements or whether or not certain rights that the property owners reserved um, are contrary to the conservation purposes that are protected by the easement. And so what I expect the next phase of litigation to focus on will be the value and how, what is the best way to determine the value because there is isn't. There is some case law on that, there have been some developments, but I think over the next year we'll see much, much more case law development on how to determine the value of those rights that are being donated. And you mentioned microcaptives. Uh can you share anything about what a micro captive is and why that's become an enforcement priority for the IRS? Sure. Micro-captives are, you know, again, it's a um, congressionally um, provided for vehicle that folks can use to insure some interests that are otherwise, you know, difficult to insure. And a, and a lot of times what folks will do is they'll create the microcaptive insurance um, overseas and so then they can have some ownership interest in it but then the premium insurance premiums that are paid to the macrocaptive those are deductible to the taxpayer and so the IRS is going is targeting microcaptives that it deems to be abusive where there's not really a real risk that's being insured or that the risk is not significant, and so they view it as a vehicle to claim a tax benefit and then have the back-end um, benefit of the payments of the insurance premiums that are being built up at the microcaptives. But a lot of the microcaptive vehicles are being used to insure you know, significant risks. And so that's why I think this has been a challenging area um, for the IRS and for taxpayers. And again, another area where more clarity would be helpful from the courts for taxpayers and the IRS to determine, you know, what is a bona fide microcaptive transaction that shouldn't be subject to audit or disallowance and what is, you know, what are the transactions that the IRS is actually targeting.
0: That was Michelle Levin with the firm Denton speaking with Aisha Bogji. Now we turn to the IRS's potentially rejuvenated annual budget, which could see a 10% jump for enforcement activities alone. Alina Solajakova is a principal at the firm RSMUS, who previously worked in the chief counsel's office at the IRS, and she spoke with Bloomberg Tax's Jeff Leon. In a bit, she'll talk about legislation that would make it easier for the agency to impose penalties on taxpayers, but first she addresses the impact of the potential budget boost.
2: I believe that based on the increase in budget, there will be an uptick in IRS examination activity for sure. Uh, in addition, increased budget will allow the IRS to hire thousands of employees uh, that they have lost during the years of hiring freeze. Uh, increased budget will allow the IRS to also implement the provisions of the first of the Taxpayer First Act. Uh, which goal is to have a better functioning IRS, including a taxpayer-friendly customer service.
0: A potential development for 2022 is the IRS repealing IRC Section 6751, which requires supervisor approval before penalties can be issued on taxpayers. What are your views on this move?
2: Right, Jeff. So a little bit of a uh, background um, for our listeners here. This uh, rule requiring written supervisory approval was largely not followed by the IRS until 2016. So it was always there in the code, but never was really applied until 2016 when a pair of cases in the United States tax court raised this issue. Since then, there were many cases decided by the tax court that held in favor of the taxpayers. Invalidating hundreds of penalties proposed by examining agents. This proposed legislation would retroactively repeal, and again, retroactively repeal Section 6751B. The legislative uh, proposal suggests retroactive application of this rule to the date of enactment of the Internal Revenue Code of 1998. Mm-hmm. I believe that instead of trying to reduce taxpayer protection when it comes to penalty assertion, the taxpayers are in need of preserving and expanding protections in this uh, area. So it will be very interesting to see if this proposed provision becomes law.
0: So, Lena, ideally, what would you like to see happen in the tax world in 2022?
2: Well, this is a very broad question, right? But from my perspective, I'm um, in tax procedure and um, I deal with the IRS on a daily basis. And as many of you uh, know, it's been um, difficult to get uh, through to the IRS and um, um, IRS has been experiencing a lot of delays in processing uh, taxpayers' information. So what I would like to see happen in the next year is that uh, IRS um, for the IRS to catch up uh, on processing taxpayers, regional and amended tax returns and catch up on the requests that the taxpayers uh, submitted uh, for for the IRS's review and for just a better functioning uh, IRS. that's what I would hope for.
0: That was Alina Solochikova with the firm US speaking with Jeff Leon. And before that, you heard Michelle Levin with Dentons speaking with Asia Bogchi. You can find up-to-the-minute news and the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website once again is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's talking tax is produced by myself, David Schultz. Patrick Ambrosio is our editor and our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening and see you next year.
2: The number of words in the tax code is estimated to be 1 million, about the same length as the entire Harry Potter series. Add in IRS regs, rev rulings, and case law, and it can be a lot. We all need a little help to sort it out. Each week on the Tax Girl podcast, I talk to the best in the business. And these aren't crazy technical dives. They're interesting and easy to digest looks at topics that matter to you. It's all that you need to stay ahead on the most important tax issues. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on taxgirl.com because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't be.